0: Welcome to another inspiring message from David Hall, pastor of LifePoint Church, Adelaide, Australia. It's our sincere prayer that you would experience the presence and power of the Holy Spirit as you listen to this message. For more information, please visit davidhall.com.au. You ready for the word this morning? Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Can I just take a minute and tell you, I'm so aware of God's anointing here today. I really feel his spirit. Just for a minute, if you're happy to do it, just raise your hands where you are. Let his presence just come. Father, I just thank you that you heal, that you fill. Lord, that you're ministering to people, even right now, the touch of heaven. Father, fill this building with the anointing of God. Let the Shekinah glory of God fill this place. Lord, we're thankful for your touch. Thankful for the moving of your spirit. And God, I just pray, come Holy Ghost, anoint the word today. Anoint the hearers, and Lord, anoint the preacher. And God, I just pray that your name would be lifted up and exalted and glorified in this place. And Lord God, we've come to give you all thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise today. Ephesians 5, the book of Ephesians. I want to speak this morning and continue where Donna uh, started last week. What to do when you don't know what to do. Have you ever been at that point in your life where you just don't know what to do? I mean, I feel like that as a parent every day. I don't know what to do. I try to feed them and hope for the best. But I can tell you something, there's times where in real terms, we're going to face challenges where we don't know what to do, where our finances are so tight that that we don't know how we're going to make it, where our marriage is tough, where our kids are not as you'd hoped that would be, or just calamities coming and it seems like all the problems just keep getting into our world all at once. What do we do when we don't know what to do? What do you do when you're facing a challenge that just seems impossible? I feel like so often uh, there's really three options before us and we often can take the first option, which is the worst option. I've been told that when trouble comes, when opposition comes or when tragedy comes, You've got a choice. You can either react, you can either retreat, or you can respond. And I feel like it's so easy, easy for us to react to it and just fly off the handle or, or do something crazy, or or we can retreat and just say, "Well, that's it. I'm I'm burying my head in the sand. I'm walking away," and and that's what I'm going to do. Or or we can say, "Actually, we're, we're going to respond to this, and we're going to make it. We're going we're to have a victory, even though it seems like the enemy's against us. We're going to have we're going to have a victory." And I'm, I guess, this message. It's not really a message to preach to people who are going through specific times of total crisis. Sometimes there's a crisis that happens, and I'm, I'm talking about the pressures of life. When there's a crisis that happens, I think sometimes all you can do is fall at the feet of Jesus and, and totally depend on other people and depend on God's people, and, 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 uh, and I think sometimes that's overkill when you know, you've just got a few little bumps in the road of your life, but when you face total crisis and despair, just shout unto God and lean into God's people, and, and so... I'm not. I'm not saying this is a perfectly cookie cutter. Let me say that again. I'm not saying this is a perfect cookie cutter message for those that have found themselves in tragedy. I think sometimes sermons and, and beatitudes and platitudes and, and uh, the wisdom of men can almost be offensive in the face of grief and pain. But I'm talking about when we find the bumps in the road of life, when we find that we just don't know what to do next. What's our next move? What, this has happened. What do I do? And, 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 but even when you are in times of despair, some of these principles can work, but understand that we, that we have uh, grace for people who are walking through storms and sometimes things are easier said than done, aren't they? I, I think they are. And, uh, but I do want to have a look at this Ephesians 5 and verse 15, and maybe if they can get that on the screen. I haven't given them my scriptures today, but thank you guys so much. Ben White, you are worth your weight in gold in this church, which given the fact that you're incredibly skinny, it's an easy compliment to give. It says this. <laughs> I'm a funny guy. It's the jokes, they just come. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Somebody say wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine. He's not saying don't get drunk. He's just clarifying with which you can and can't. In which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. I'll get to that in a minute, by the way. I'm not serious. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things... To God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. He gives us keys if we just flush out this text. Even before I really get into the crux of my message... He starts talking about what are some of the things you can do even when challenges come, when times of blessing are upon us. Ephesians 5 is a great guide to living. He says, redeem the time. In other words, let's not waste our time. Verse 16 talks about redeeming the time because the days are evil. Time is a gift from God. The Bible says, this is the day that the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. Can I say this day has been given to us? I wonder what it is we're going to do on this day to affect what happens in that day or in the days to come. I take this day so seriously because this day is a seed that God God's given me to obtain what he's promised me, and I would encourage us as a church to make sure we're maximizing our time. I don't know about you, but it's easy to waste time. I got one of these fidget spinners the other day, and I can find myself just sitting for an hour, just playing with this stupid thing, and it's so so addictive. It's just Honestly, it's amazing. I gave one to Pastor George. He's been playing with it. He's actually been working with his toes. It's disgusting. He was doing that in the last service. No, no. He's spinning it on his middle toe. It's a lot bigger than his big toe. Anyway, (laughs) move on redeeming the time... Because the days are evil, can I tell you something? Uh, if it took uh, us as a church, if we led a thousand people to Christ every year as a church, it would take us thirteen hundred years to win our city for Jesus. We don't have time. Time is not something we've been given much uh, that we've been given much of. We don't know any minute now the Trump of God could sound and the Rapture could take place. Graves could open up all over the world, and then we'll be out of this life and present with the Lord in the, in the twinkling of an eye. We don't know when that will happen. Every prophet. Uh, that's ever meant to be fulfilled and and been given has been fulfilled. It could happen at any moment. God could hit that button. The trump of God could sound. We could hear the voice of the archangel, the shout from heaven, and we could literally leave this planet and be with God in one moment of time, in eternity. I don't know about you, but that is an absolutely powerfully uh, confronting truth. That we do not know how much time that we have. Maybe some of you that are running loose and not living the way you should live in the camp of the righteous. One minute in the in the, in the camp of the world. Another minute, you never know what might happen. I don't think we can play marbles with diamonds. We, we've got to treat the things of God as precious and holy. Whether you're on the mountaintop, whether you're in the valley, time matters. The Bible says time and chance happen to us all. Uh, time is a, a gift from God. We've got to redeem it. We've got to use it with wisdom and, and use it with integrity. Another thing he says, he says, do not be unwise. Sometimes It's not that we're unwise, but maybe we're not walking in actual wisdom, but we're just at middle ground. We're not really creating problems. And I feel like that's the default position of life. It's not a lack of, it's not the opposite of wisdom. It's just not necessarily walking in the wisdom of God. And I want to encourage us. We might be just existing in our own strength and our own ideas, but when trouble comes, what about we lean on the wisdom of God? I'm going to talk more about that because really that's the crux of my message today is walking in the wisdom of God. Let's go on. Verse 17 says, understand what the will of the Lord is when trouble comes. We have to find God's will in times of trouble. It seems like I've been saying that a little bit over and over lately about the will of God, but there are so many Christians who are governed by their own will. And I want to talk to us as a church today that we wouldn't just be a people who exist based on what it is that we want at any given time. My prayer for LifePoint Church is not that you would submit to the will of LifePoint or to the will of whatever vision Donna and I might have. I pray that you would be submitted to the will of God for your life. And it's unique. It looks different. The will of God for me versus the will of God for somebody else are two different things. But can I encourage it? Let's be submitted to that when the will of God is the umpiring and directing guide in your your life. I'm telling you you'll live in in the favor of God when you come and live in the will of God. Faith can only be where the will of God is known. I want to live in the will of God for my life. Because it's the greatest of you, you are you are actually designed and shaped to be most satisfied when you're actually in the will of God for your life. I know my God's shape and I know that when I'm walking in what God's called me to do, I'm most fulfilled and satisfied in my relationship with God when I'm walking in the will of God. Can I say the will of God should apply to every area of your life? When you face trouble, what's the will of God right now? When you're about to date somebody, what's the will of God? Is this the right person for my life? You, you know, you know just, just, because, uh, just because you're with someone and you like him doesn't necessarily mean that it's God's will for your life. I'm so aware that there's... I, I see great people who it's not like one's good and one's awful. Sometimes two great people are just not wired together the way they should be. And they try and make something work and they both never, ever complete what God's called them to complete because they're just not wired the same way. I thank God that uh, I'm married to to Donna and and that I'm married to somebody. When we got married, we were dating. We're a normal couple. We had the same battles. We we, we couldn't always get our act together and get married as quickly as we probably should have, all of those things. But at the end of the day, we never set into our marriage to just be a couple that would just get a little bit of property in the northeastern suburbs, live in the mortgage belt and just have a happy life. When we got married, we had an absolute desire in our heart to touch the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Donna and I, we're on the same page. It's never been a battle. She's released me to so much more than, than uh, you know. she even should. She carries a massive load more than she even probably should. But she's done that in the, with a heart that we've got to world to win for Jesus. And if we're going to redeem the time, it costs. It comes at a cost. I don't mean it should cost my children or cost my family, but there are sacrifices that we in unity make together because we believe God's called us to make a difference. And I want to encourage you, whatever sphere of life you're in, make sure it's submitted to the will and the purpose of God. I promise you, you say, well, I'm not happy in life. Get in God's will. You'll be happy. I promise you. Come on, somebody. If you believe it, say amen. Some of you dating some snaggletooth guy because <laughs> you think he's really cool or you're dating some guy can i say get the will of god even in your relationships say god what is the will of god for my life and and god, god what's the will of god for their life yeah. Yeah. another thing when it, the bible says it in, in uh, to find god's will you find god's will through his word there's five hundred and seventy-five thousand words given in this script in, in this book that will tell you how to live and so you can find god's will in the word and you can also find God's will in prayer. It says in the book of John 8, 47, that he who is of God hears the words of God. You and I, in Christ, we can hear God's words. He speaks to us. We can find his will. God, is this right? God, speak to my heart. God, give me your will. You say, how does he speak? I find the peace of God. There's this guiding sense of the peace of God in my life. And I know, And can I tell you something? Sometimes I'm more aware when it's not there than when it is there. Sometimes when it's there, you can take for granted that you just walk in the will of God. But then you just step outside of it, and you can realize, hey, this sense of peace, this sense of the guiding touch of God's Spirit, just I'm not I'm not feeling that. And we're not led by our feelings; we're always led by the Word of God. But the Spirit of God within us is a great guide, the greatest guide. Let peace and the Holy Spirit be the umpire and the director of your life. Follow the peace of God, finding God's will. He says in verse 18, "Do not be drunk, but be filled with the Holy Spirit." Somebody say, "Be filled with the Holy Spirit." It's interesting. He says, "Don't be drunk; be full of the Holy Ghost." Now, I've preached on that. This passage probably a passage I've been... In the last two years, I've preached on more than any other passage I've been preaching really all over the world. But I, it's, not, it's not my intention to preach a real Holy Spirit-focused message. I want to I look at this, though. Why, why, why is he saying be filled with the Spirit? He's saying don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the Holy Ghost. In other words, don't let the, uh, don't let the things of this world be the influencing factor, be influenced by the Spirit. See, when we face, when we face our storms... Every voice that the enemy can get in your ear, whether it's through television, whether it's through the internet, whether it's through advertising, whether it's through well-meaning people, whatever it is, the enemy will try to derail your destiny in times... Of uncertainty. And I can tell you right now, I've made a decision that in times of uncertainty, I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus because it's so easy to get knocked off course. And I want to be connected. I want to be absolutely certain of God's will for my life. I never want it to be shaken. I, ne- I, never, I never want it to be even lost. I know what God's called me to do. So when the enemy comes in like a flood, I know how to stand because I've got the will of God in my life. But now I've got the power of the Holy Spirit rather than some outside thing trying to influence me. And let's while we're on it, don't be drunk. Don't lean on the things this world don't lean on substance christians get I mean, we can lean on so many things, silly people that just corrupt our, 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 our integrity or, or things like that, whether it's alcohol itself, whether it's some kind of substance, some kind of vice. The only vice that you and I should have is the Holy Ghost and the presence of God. Lean on him when trouble comes and he'll, he'll see you through because he's, he's good. Do you believe that in the 11 o'clock? This is my introduction. He, said, he, said, he, said, he says this, he goes on to say, speaking to one another in Psalms, hymns and spiritual songs be in corporate worship. In other words, be in church. When trouble comes, please listen to your beloved pastor here today. Do not isolate yourself in difficult times. Let me say it again. Do not isolate yourself in difficult times. I'll tell you why I say that because the Bible says lions perish for lack of prey. What does that mean? It means a lion will go starving because he's got no prey. And the scripture, when it's given, is talking about uh, maybe a herd of zebra or a, zebra or a herd of deer, whatever. There can be an animal that is no match for the great king of the jungle. But when you, when you have that, that, that uh, animal in its pack, in its group... Knitted together, the lions will come and go, There's no there's no food for me, because the lion always looks for the isolated animal. The Bible said the Bible, the Bible talks about the devil who walks around roaring like a lion, seeking who he may devour. And you know the funny thing is, Christians, when we get offended too often, the first response that we make it's not a response, it's a reaction. We just pull away from church, we pull away from God's people. And then how is that going to be a God? See, when I come to church, what I find happens is it's like a little compass. I come into the presence of God. And the touch of God's there, maybe an attitude just shifts right back to, to north where it should be. Maybe, maybe just my heart dr- drifting into something that may not be right or, or, or something that may not be godly. And I'm saying mine, I'm saying ours together. And God just brings it back to true north where we should be. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's a, a feeling of the heart. Or maybe it's something the enemies just put a little seed in there to bring a division in our home or in our marriage or in our family. You come into the presence of God and, and God just dials us back to where we should be. Can I encourage you as a church? When you get yourself offended, when you get yourself hurt and all of those things, can I ask you to do one thing? Be offended, be hurt, be mad write silly things on Facebook, go for it. But don't stop coming to church. Because when we get together, the Bible says this should be an atmosphere where every joint supplies. In other words, when I get around Rachel, there's something about me that pours life into her. There's something about her that pours life into me. And when she talks to them and them to her and you to him and him to them and da, 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 da. da, All of us together, we lift one another up. I got into church this morning and Chelsea was in the first service. She's just lost her mum and she's just lost her grandmother in the space of about two weeks. She walks over to me and she goes, oh welcome home I'm so glad to see you and she oh just felt like a million bucks and then it took me about two seconds to realize I shouldn't be the one feeling like a million bucks here I should be making her feel like a million bucks but can I say that's the kind of spirit that I want in this church is people to just get around one another and say hey it's good to see you hey I love you (coughs) excuse me hey I'm giving up smoking so easy to just pull back and walk away from the call of God. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, what does it say? Do not forsake, verse 25, the assembling together of the saints, which is the habit of some... You know, we were in a staff meeting recently and Ari gave me a sat and was just telling us that... And we're actually, one of the, we're actually quite strong. This is a good statistic, apparently. You know our church, on average, our attendance, so you look around, the building's full, the nine o'clock service, pretty full as well. Uh, you know that only 56% of our church turn up on any given Sunday. So on any given Sunday, 44% of our church aren't here. Now I understand there's legitimate reasons. I'm not trying to bring condemnation on people. But the truth is, I want to encourage us. Let's, let's be committed uh, to, to getting here. Why, why? Because you know some of you, you've been in church for so long. I could probably talk to Pastor Wendy Phoebe, Pastor Keith Phoebe, and say to you guys... I'm glad you're here and all of this. But the truth is, they've been to so much church in their life. If they never attended church again, there's probably not a great deal, they'll deny this, but there's probably not a great deal they're going to learn each and every Sunday because they've been doing it for years and for years. But I don't believe they come to church really because of what they need. I really believe they're in a season in their life where they come because they want to sow into other people. And you might say, oh, I'm churched out. No, you're just ready to get into leadership now. You're, you're ready to serve. You're ready to run a home group. You're ready to invest in people. You're You're ready to get in connect groups happening. You're ready to build. And and maybe some of you, you go, oh, I'm I'm isolating myself. I'm Quit isolating yourself. Some people think going to church is sitting at home watching Kenneth Copeland, Joyce Meyer, Benny Hinn. I would watch all of them. I'd encourage you to watch those people. I'd encourage you to give to those people. But I'll tell you, they're not your pastors. They're not going to visit you in hospital when you're facing surgery. They're not going to come around and dedicate your kids. They're not going to do your wedding for you. They're, they're, They're great. They're a gift to the body of Christ. But nothing beats the local church. And can I say, when you face calamity, come on somebody, when you you face calamity, get in the house of God, because it'll just adjust and get you back to true north. I find when I come here, I see God's blessing poured into my life. Verse 20 says this, he says, he says, uh, and goes on to say, verse 20, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father and the Lamb of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to be thankful. We've got to, be, we've got to have a thankful heart, even in, even in the tough times. Yeah. I can tell you days where I feel like the enemy's knocked me out. Where I just feel like every, every plan of darkness has just wiped me out. One of those powerful things you can do in the face of despair and trouble is go, Thank you, Jesus. Because yeah. yeah. yes, nice. the devil cannot make sense of that. Why am I messing? Why, why would the enemy keep throwing an attack at you if your first response? Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. My right leg's just been caught in a rabbit trap. They're cutting it off at the elbow, but yet will I praise thee? you. you know? <laughs> Glory to God. That's funny. Okay, so, you know it's not that funny when I have to tell you it's funny. It's funny. Some of us, we, we got to thank God. You know, 10 lepers came to Jesus. They all had leprosy. How do you know if a leper sent you a letter? The tongue's still attached to the envelope. A leper. <laughs> that is totally uncouth. And I apologize for that. I've got to regain my thoughts. I forgot what I saw. <laughs> a leper. Ten lepers go to Jesus. The Bible says they all had leprosy. The Bible, the Bible says he healed them all. And... Uh, he healed them all, but one of them turned around and said, thank you, Jesus. And the Bible, what did the Bible say? The Bible says, he was made whole. Everything that leprosy had taken from him, God gave back. These guys were healed, but they still lived with the ramifications of leprosy. One guy had a total creative miracle where maybe where an extremity had gone, God gave it back. The word whole means physically whole. Whole, complete. So, so that's, that's what that means. And don't understand, some people try to go, oh, that's not what it means. It's, we're talking about Jesus. It's exactly what it means because that's the kind of stuff he does. And, and so they, they walk off heel, they, they walk off healed, but one walks off whole wide because he knew the power of appreciation. He knew the power of thanking Jesus. Maybe some of you are in a storm. Some of you just need to go, thank you, Lord Jesus. Maybe You don't necessarily need to thank him for the storm, but you can thank him for his goodness, thank him for his kindness, thank you that even though you're in a storm, he's with you and he's for you and he's around and about you in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you're, if you're thankful for a good God, why don't you give him a praise for about 30 seconds. Shout unto God in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And then he says this, he goes on to say, he says, Submit to one another in the fear of God. Get around one another. There's wisdom in your circle. Get around them. I love this. This is blessing me today. Because I think, what do you do when trouble comes? So just live in Ephesians 5, do what it says. It'll work. And the Bible says he, he frames this section of Ephesians 5. Don't be unwise. In other words, walk in the wisdom of God. Redeem the time. Walk in the wisdom of God. Colossians echoes that. Colossians 4 5. Walk in wisdom, the Bible says. That's what you do when trouble comes. The word wisdom comes from the Greek word Sophia. Sophia. So if anyone in here has the name Sophia or Sophie, they're wise. Finally, an amen out of you this morning. I've been waiting for one all morning, Pastor George. He's just been giving thumbs down so far. No, that's not true. Pastor George and I, we're good friends, just so you know. But it means, it means wisdom. It means broad and full of intelligence, but it goes on. The word wisdom means using that knowledge and using that intelligence. So just because someone's intelligent doesn't mean they're wise. I've met some intelligent people that are complete crazy people. I know some dysfunctional geniuses. I know some people that, I mean, they, they, never, they never got a degree. They, they weren't the sharpest knife in the drawer, but everything they do is full of wisdom and, and just full of poise. Why? Because the, 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 the idea of wisdom is to take knowledge and use it. Biblical wisdom is, to, is simply this, apply God's word in your life. If you want to live a blessed life, let me make it easy. Read this and do what it says. That's the wisdom of God. I know it seems crazy. Do what it says. Some of us, we do everything but what the Bible says. I watch people just, they get, they, somebody gives them a hard time. What do they do? They go and curse everybody, speak bad things about people. They carry on like an idiot and can't work out why the problem's getting worse. Because here's the word a gentle answer turns away wrath. Do that, wisdom. There's wisdom, I mean, just if we live by Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, we would walk in, in blessing. I can tell you, the word of God applied works. Years ago, there was a pastor called Andy Kabbalah, yeah. he's still around today, doing a great job. And he used to run this conference in New Zealand called Get Smart, thousands and thousands of people. And uh, and one time, Andy was preaching in our church years ago, the church. Wouldn't it have had a hundred people in it? And he came and did like a three-day crusade. And Don and I, we were going out at the time. And, and we just had this idea that was from the Lord. We, we're going to bless him and buy him a watch. And so we bought him this watch. And it was a nice watch. It was a Tag Heuer watch or... Tag Hoyer, however you want to say. The nice watch. And in those days, that watch, watch ran about a thousand bucks, but we felt God speak to us to do it. I know some people get offended with that, but when you live by faith, you can start believing God for stuff, you know? And so, so we bought this watch for him. We paid 500 bucks each, you know? And so we bought him this watch because God told us to buy this watch. Now, the Bible says a man's gift makes way for him. Yeah. And we didn't even apply this scripture, but that's what the Bible says. So we give him this watch. And the biggest meeting that I'd ever really done, traveling, and the most significant thing, I used to do Royal Rangers camps. I mean, they were terrific. I remember doing one. There was about 10 people and a dog. And one of those 10 people, I'm not kidding, was the newbie kids, Ari Pittman and her brothers and family were there. That's where I met Ari Pittman. I met Ari, We have Ari Pittman in our church. God Senator Adelaide to marry a man with muscles. And, uh, <laughs> but Ari Pittman, I met her when she was 17 at a Royal Rangers camp, somewhere, I think, either in. Aracoon near Bendigo or over in the Blue Mountains somewhere. And so I thank God that God opened those doors. It's amazing who's come to this church from some of those meetings in those days gone by. Ashley Hamilton's one of those people. Layla Andy's one of those people. And so God, I thank God for those opportunities, but I'd never really done anything significant. And Andy Kabbalah runs this big conference. And you've got to understand, we never gave with strings attached. We just did what the Lord said. And then one day, I get an invitation to come and speak at this big conference in New Zealand. Never spoken at anything significant before. So I go over and preach. And I said to Andy, I said, I can't believe you invited me to come and do this. This is 12 years ago. And he said, I'll tell you why I invited you. I said, why is that? He said, because every time I looked at the time, I thought, get Dave to come speak he get smart. Dave and Donna got me this watch. I better invite Dave to come. And, and, and he said... Can I say, a gift that I gave him made room. That's the wisdom of God. Some of us, we try to position, we try to manipulate, some of us... We should just bless our way into favor, sow our way into favor. Man, I get preaching about that all week because I can tell you there is blessing attached to your seed and your giving. You say, David, are you a prosperity preacher? You bet I'm a prosperity preacher because the Bible says God delights in the prosperity of his servant. And I won't let some people that may have perverted a message of prosperity stop me from believing in biblical prosperity. I believe what a man sows, that that, that man also reaps. How can you not believe in prosperity when he says in John's epistle? I pray that your soul that you be in prosperity, even as your soul prospers, as your body prospers, that you be in health and all those things, and that you would prosper in that same manner. Luke six thirty eight, given it will come back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That tells me if I give with one measure, God will give according to His measure. And I'm telling you, how can you deny what the Bible says? A man that that which a man sows, that will he also reap. I believe in giving. You say, do you believe in giving to get? I'm not going to say that, but I do believe there's times where when there's drought and famine and challenge, you can. Give Give your way out of stuff and see heaven open by your offer. But anyway, let's move along because people get mad at me for preaching that stuff. But let's let's have a look at this for one minute. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, get wisdom. Verse 5. Get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not. She shall preserve thee, love her, she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Proverbs 16:16. 16, 16, How much better it is to get wisdom than gold, and to get understanding, rather then to be chosen than silver. True wisdom comes from three places. You know, it's funny, I was seeing this this morning. One of my first sermon series at the age of 22 was on wisdom. And people, I remember some people going, you really feel like that's what you want to preach on? I think part two was actually having wisdom in your marriage. Now, 15 years on, I feel less qualified than I did at 22. Someone on the team has to have some measure of wisdom, so it turns out that I was the guy that should preach on wisdom. I asked Pastor George. We didn't feel like he was ready. We asked Pastor Keith Phoebe. He didn't seem ready. Keith Moody didn't seem ready. So I feel like, as the one with the wisdom, I'm the, <laughs> on the team, I'm, 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 I'm the least. But I want to explain to you that it doesn't really matter. Who, who's got the wisdom who does it? i'm pointing you to scripture here today and letting you know that, that you don't have to you, this is something that comes from heaven now i want to have a look there's three biblical sources of wisdom the first number one if you're writing this down this will help you today the first is to wisdom somebody say graced wisdom it's wisdom that's a grace from heaven a gift proverbs 2 verse 6 says for the lord gives wisdom so god it comes from god elohim creator the creator gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Now, I want to show you this passage. This will blow your mind today. 2 Chronicles chapter 2, I'll, I'll tell you what happened. You don't need to turn there. The Bible says Solomon asked for wisdom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He asked for wisdom. So what did God give him? God said, you ask a good thing. And he says, because of that, I'm going to give you every subsequent blessing that comes. The richest man in the history of the world is Solomon. How did he get rich? He never asked God for wealth. He asked God for the power to get wealth. He didn't ask for influence. He just asked for that thing that'll get him there. See, some of us, we want the stuff where, where God says, hey, pursue the wisdom and every subsequent blessing will follow. I don't know about you, but that's why it's funny. Isn't it interesting that a good name is better than uh, silver and gold? The Bible says a good reputation. Why? Because you can buy and trade on a good reputation. If, you, if you've got favor and a good name and good influence, I mean, that can, be, that, can, that can have the power to build your life in and of itself. I think of names like Benny Hinn. If Benny Hinn comes into this room because of his name, he's going to pack the building to the doors. Why? Because there's reputation. There's there, there's influence. And that, I could say Billy Graham. You could say Reinhard Bonnke. You could say Joyce Mike. Why? Because they have a name. I mean, they, they, Justin Bieber goes to a stadium. He'll pack the stadium out. Why? Because he has a name. His name, he could go bankrupt tomorrow and within two weeks be a multimillionaire again, not because of money, but because of reputation. There's so, wisdom does the same thing. You might not have something in your hand, but if you you have the wisdom of God, it is only a matter of time until that attracts a blessing and the favor of God. So if you don't have wisdom, ask God and every subsequent blessing will flow. Solomon wrote the great book of Ecclesiastes and Proverbs. Why? Because he added a supernatural impartation of the wisdom of God. And I don't know about you, but I am simple enough to believe that if Solomon could ask God for wisdom, so can Dave Hall. God, I need wisdom. I need the wisdom of God. I'm dealing with this, this, and this. Spirit of God. I need your wisdom. God, give me a grace. Put a grace of the wisdom of heaven on my life. A grace. The gifts of the Spirit. The word gift comes from the word "carers," which means graces. The gifts of the Spirit are the graces of the Spirit. So your grace, you can be graced with supernatural wisdom. If you believe that, can you say amen? And you say, you say well, that's good for Solomon. But James 1 verse 5 says this, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and without reproach, and it shall be given him. Let him ask in faith. If you ask in faith for the wisdom of God, He will give it to you liberally, without reproach. What a promise from God! That if you, are, you, what do I do, God? I don't know what to do. I've got all hell breaking loose. I don't know what to do. Take five minutes, catch your breath. God, I need the wisdom of the Holy Ghost. I need, I need the wisdom of the Spirit right now. Speak to my heart. Tell me which direction to go. I'm telling you something that's got me out of more binds than you can poke a stick at. Even trouble I got myself in. Wisdom can get you out of your own space of, of calamity in the name of Jesus. Wisdom of God. Number two, is Holy Ghost wisdom, Holy Spirit wisdom. Isaiah eleven twelve: the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding. Ephesians 1, 17, that the Lord God, where are we at? The clock's saying two. Sorry, I just looked at the time and realized that uh, I need to finish. It says this, Ephesians 1.17, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of revelation and knowledge of him. That's an anointing of wisdom. It comes from the Spirit. Spirit of God unlocks wisdom. There's a gift called the gift of wisdom. First 1 Corinthians 12.8. It's a spiritual gift. I don't believe everybody has that gift of wisdom. God gives a gift. I wasn't trying to be funny, but I think that is an obvious uh, reality to many of us, that not everyone has the gift of wisdom. But the truth is, uh, it is a gift. So there'll be some people that are just grace with the wisdom of God on their life. When they speak, there's wisdom. And then thirdly, there's Bible wisdom. Maybe a blessing can come. We'll close out this service. But Deuteronomy 4, 5 and 6 tells us, Surely I've taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Therefore, be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who hear these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Psalm 119. This scripture is beautiful. Listen to this. So, so, so is all scripture, but it says here, Psalm 119, verse 98. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies. When you're in the word, the commands of God, you got you got wisdom that sets you at advantage. I have more understanding than my teachers for your testimonies and my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. Proverbs 2:6, for the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Psalm 119, verse 105 tells us, says, Your word is a lamp under my feet and a light into my path. It's interesting. Some of us are so busy thinking about, okay, the destination. But I love that God's lamp illuminates where we're going, but also tells us, it's the lamp to our feet, tells us how to take our next step. See, some of us, were so like, i got to be here, i got to get there. Just maybe occasionally look down and just realize, make sure you're walking on that narrow path. Make sure you're walking where God's called you to walk. Be what God's called you to be. I guess I'm here to tell you today that maybe if you lack wisdom, if you lack understanding, if you don't know which way is up, maybe you're struggling for air, maybe you just feel like the world's against you, take, take 10 seconds and say, God, I need your wisdom. I think it's a pretty safe prayer. I think it's a broad prayer because God will speak to your heart. You may be in a circumstance right now where you need the wisdom of God. I don't know about you, but I, I do every day of my life. I need God to speak to my heart and give me Give me strategy. Give me wisdom. Give me understanding. How are, we, how are we going to get by? How are we going to, as a church, go to the next level? How are we going to deal with trouble that we face, challenges we face? All of those things. How are we going to see God do what he wants to do? We come back to the wisdom of God. God, speak to my heart. I pray this. Does that help anybody today? If you're, if you're in this place this morning and you say, hey, I, I, I'm just I'm facing challenges in my life. I need, I need the wisdom of God. And... Uh, take a minute, we're going to pray. In the last service we prayed, I felt like there was an anointing in the house for that. But maybe you're in this room today. You say, Dave, I, I need the wisdom of God. I just need God's voice. I need God's word. I need him to speak right now in the name of Jesus. If that's you, let's just bow in prayer across this place. I won't keep going much longer. We'll get you out of here in just one moment. But if you say, David, I need the wisdom of God. What to do when you don't know what to do? Let him who lacks wisdom ask. Some of you need the wisdom of God for your next steps. they would be ordered by God, not by you. Can I say, I, I tell you, I'm not perfect in all of my ways at all. But I definitely try to let my steps be ordered by God, the decisions I make. But I want to make decisions just through Dave and Donna in our cute little mortgage belt home. I want to make decisions that have eternal consequences and ramifications. If you're in this room today, you say, Dave, I need the wisdom of God for, for whatever you're facing. If that's you in this room today, just where you're seated, just raise your hands. We're gonna, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. There's hands going up everywhere. More, more hands up than not. There's nothing to be ashamed about. I'm lifting my hand. I, need to, I should be praying that prayer every day. God, give us wisdom. Every situation. Lord God, speak in the name of Jesus. Lord God, the wisdom of God The wisdom of God in the name of Jesus. The wisdom of God, speak in Jesus' name. Lord God, I pray the wisdom of God. Lord, I just pray the wisdom of God, speak in the name of Jesus. Father God, touch people, speak. Lord God, speak to that which seems impossible. Lord God, I pray, give your people wisdom. Give them revelation. Give them understanding in the name of Jesus. There's those here today. Which way's up? God, I don't know. Do, do I go this way? Do I go that way? Can I tell you, God will speak? He always has a word. If you open your heart and let him speak to your heart, watch what God can do. Father, in the name of Jesus, with the wisdom of God. Lord God, for Stuart with it. Father, I just pray the wisdom of heaven. Lord God, I pray be his strength. Lord, I just speak provision over his home. God, I speak blessing. Lord God, everything that the enemy's done, God, I pray that you reverse it in the name of Jesus. Lord God, blessed coming in blessed going out. Father, I thank you that you've called him. Stuart, I believe with all of my heart to speak this over your life. Your best days lie ahead of you. Your greatest days of joy and blessing lie ahead of you. Every promise that God's given you is ahead of you. And Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I just speak blessing over him. Lord, over his children, over his home, over his wife. God, over every area of his life. God, I speak the blessing of heaven in the name of Jesus. May he be amazed at the goodness of God. And Father, I thank you for it right now in the name of Jesus Church. Can we give Jesus a shout of praise here today? Come on, let's make some noise in the house of God. Hallelujah! Come on, somebody. Man, I'm getting happy today. Praise God. Well, God is so good, hey. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope it was an encouragement to you. If you'd like to know more about David and Donna, please visit our website, davidhall.com.au.